Another few exciting things. This was a great month from now to then. Well, yesterday, first of all, was my beautiful wife's birthday. I say that with fear and trembling because <laughs> she doesn't like me doing that. But even more important, next weekend, Deborah and I will have been married for 35 years. And uh, both of us went saved when we got married, but shortly after that got saved and have been serving God together ever since. And real privilege um, to be married to such a beautiful girl. <laughs> so there we are. Yeah, I agree. I would whistle if I could. <laughs> so um, Deb's just had a... Okay, you can share it afterwards. Great. If we could have um, Brandon... Please come up. That Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I want to speak today, carrying on the series that started, this unending series that started with the question that I felt God asked me for Oceanside at the beginning of the year. What do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? And that led me to John 15 uh, and... uh, about abiding in the vine, because Jesus said in Matthew 7, by their fruit, you will know them. And we've been on that process, and Mark and Paul did a wonderful job in in sharing some of that, and we're going to go on with that. And next week, Wesley will be preaching, and uh, on on a similar vein. And with Wesley in mind, he's down at the Sunday school, we have some exciting changes happening in the life of the church. And Darren and Marie have been overseeing the Sunday school, and they are going to be moving. And we we have seven elders, soon to be eight, and each of them have a very specific role in the life of the church. Um, Although we elder elders and pastors to us are the same thing. And so Darren and Marie are going to head up the marriage enrichment, pre-marriage counseling. Uh, crisis marriage counseling and be building a team so that we can help uh, people have better marriages. And so with that in mind, Wesley is moving in to take over the oversight of 180. He's been working hard. This is, I know it sounds sudden, this has been at least a six-month process, if not more, of praying and going through this. And so Wesley will be taking over that, and in March he will be coming onto the eldership team to give them some oversight under my oversight of the 180. So um, those are wonderful things. I hope you're excited about them. And, um, and we want to do more. We see more leaders and elders coming through uh, as we go along. But um, before we go any further, I want to speak. I felt God tell me, to really share on the difference between an intellectual relationship with Him and a spiritual relationship with Him. Many in the church have an intellectual relationship. We study the Word. We know the Word. Oh, there's Wesley in the back. Come up here, Wesley and Casa. I thought you're hiding there in the back, buddy. So here's uh, Elder Wesley. Let's give him a hand. The reason I can bring so many young guys onto my team is we have a stable old guy that can help them along the way. So, 
including Russell and Marcus. But Father, I thank you for this young man. Lord, I thank you for his heart, Lord God, a heart after you. Lord, for his love for you and love for this church. And Lord, you often find the ones in the fields tending the sheep and you bring them through. And I feel that's what Wesley has done and is doing. Not perfect, but neither am I, Lord, but called of God. And so I just pray your protection upon him, your heart for him, Lord God, Lord, over this in, entire process. And I, I pray for the support of the church, Lord, um, that will blow wind in his sails. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Sure. I felt a little uh, nervous earlier on to share this. Good morning, church. Um, but when we were singing, worshiping, and asking the Holy Spirit to break us, I immediately thought of Mary when she was with Jesus and she washed his feet. But she took a jar, an alabaster jar. It was filled with very, very expensive perfume. And she broke that and she anointed Jesus. And I just felt like, I don't know what Michael was going to be ministering on today, but when he was saying that it's not a head knowledge of Jesus, and I honestly believe that the Lord is calling us into a deeper place with him. You've possibly felt and been feeling the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, drawing you, wooing you to come closer. And possibly there have been times when you've tried to work it out. And I just want to encourage you this morning is don't try and work it out. And it's to be like Mary when she sat at Jesus' feet, she knelt at his feet. So first of all, allow us to humble ourselves before the King of Kings. Amen. And she broke that alabaster jar. And in Psalm 51, verse 17, David says here, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so I urge us this morning, even as we're going to go into a time of worship this morning, is don't try and think him out. Don't try and fathom out things. But just to come and say, Lord, I yield myself before you. Because when you are yielded before the Lord, and when you just open up your heart and raise your hands, when we raise our hands, it's just submission. It's like, Father, I just submit everything that I am is yours today. And when we do that, this whole environment is just filled with the sweet fragrance of praise that is due to our King. Amen? Amen. So thank you. Amen. Thanks, Deb. Just right from the beginning, Russ's word on plans, plans God has for us. How do we get to know what those are? By spending time with Him. Jeremiah 33.3 says simply this, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. The treasures and the mysteries of God are hidden, not so that we don't find them, but so that we do, that we seek God, and He reveals Himself to us. The God that wants intimacy with us, a relationship with us, and if we can just still our hearts for one moment, if you just close your eyes, I'm going to ask 
um, Brandon to sing that song, Holy Spirit. Just receive from him. become more aware of your presence Lord let us come to you Lord God receive from you Lord let us be known for one thing one thing alone that is as people of the presence for Maddie and love with God your presence Lord I pray today that chains will be broken life will be readjusted Lord that the things of this world that we so entrap us and so ensnare us and so distract us Lord will truly become strangely dim as we turn our eyes upon you Lord Jesus thank you for that in Jesus name Amen Amen Thanks Brandon I'd like us to just read through that key passage and I just sense we're going to camp here until we fully get it until I fully get it and I felt God one of the things is in my mind all the time deeper still deeper still Deeper still. We think we've gone deep, but deeper still. And we thank you for that, Lord. So John 15, 18, Jesus is at the Last Supper. This is a very intimate time 
these chapters from chapter 13 onwards, uh, before he is crucified and he's having this meal with his best friends. He washes their feet, he does some amazing things. Um, amazing thing that the grace he showed Judas at that time to known what he would do. But he says this to them in John 15. He also speaks after this about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and so on. But in John 15, he says this, that I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here's the key to this and to our spiritual walk with God. These two verses where it says, Remain in me I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you go to Galatians, 5, Galatians 6, sorry, you'll hear of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been ministering on. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. How much of what I do and we do is apart from him? But Paul says in Philippians 4, but in Christ we can do all things. But if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amazing passage of scripture. And I want to go back to Exodus chapter 33, talking about an old covenant uh, prophet, priest, leader called Moses and his relationship with God. And if he could have this under the old covenant, how much more could we have a relationship like this today? And in Exodus 33 from verse 7, it says, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distant away and call it a tent of meeting. So he would do this daily. So my question is, where is your tent of meeting? What is your tent of meeting? Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of the cloud would come down and stand at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they stood and worshipped each at the entrance of his own tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Deeper still, church. Deeper still. And Moses carries on this conversation one day, and he says, Lord, you have been telling me, leave these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. 
if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. Many of us know the will of God. The will of God is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples, and so on. But not many of us understand the ways of God. We can see when the will of God is not done God's way, it can bring destruction. Just think of the crusaders who thought they were doing God's will. But they didn't do it God's way. And God has a way for us and a plan for us in this season and in this generation and this time to fulfill His purposes. And so... Church, let's be a people, not only understanding his will, but his ways. You've said, I know you by name, and I have found favor, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. The Lord replied. This is amazing. Re- reply to my, Moses is question of teaching me your ways. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It's in the presence of God that we learn the ways of God. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We know Jesus spoke of this and we won't put it up, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, about the heavy burning come, taking his yoke and finding rest and peace. In Him. You see, church, outside of God, we will never truly experience true true rest, true peace, and true love. And as a result, there are many restless souls, restless people, people worrying about everything and and getting caught up in the wrong things. And and I can do that as, as, as well as anybody else. They're restless souls because deep in the soul of every person is a longing for the presence of God, a longing to experience His unconditional love, and a longing for relationship. And if that's so, that there's a God-shaped vacuum, as C.S. Lewis would say, in every single one of us that only God can fill. We can't buy enough stuff. We can't get enough promotions. We can't go on enough cruises, we can't get anything to fill that vacuum in us that only God can fill. And we're looking for love, the bottom line is, in all the wrong places. And it's temporal. And it destroys relationships, creates hardship. But in God, in God, we can see, find that true peace, the true love, and true joy, and in God alone. And the question I was asking, why do we seek everything but God to fill that vacuum? Why is it that we do that? And I want to say this as I thought of it, with all love and tenderness. So, put your seatbelts on. Because we would rather live for ourselves and do our own thing than for God, the flesh. Maybe we want the benefits of God without a relationship with Him. Just like the prodigal son. 
wanted his inheritance. And you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. We want to seek the blessings of God without seeking the blesser. In other words, it's all about me, Lord. Fill me, bless me, heal me, save me. And once that's happened, God, I'm cool, I'm on my way. That's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died for a relationship, a two-way relationship. You see, maybe it's because we would rather do things our way. Isn't the anthem of a generation, I did it my way? I did it my way. We'd rather do things our way, not like Moses, who went to God in his presence and said, teach me your ways, Lord God. And another reason, as I've thought about this, is maybe we don't know the difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. So I want to little speak a little bit about this. The omnipresence of God, the God of all creation, and without which all creation would cease to exist. The God of all creation, who created the heavens and the earth, the transcendent God that lives above time, in time, after time, and through time, that holds everything together by his powerful word. And we'll see that in the word. And we see this about the omnipresence because God says in Romans 1, you are without excuse. Just look at the heavens, look at the stars, look at the, what I've made and you will see me. And in nature and beauty, we can see God. And in this way, David asked this question in Psalm 39. Where can I go from your spirit or from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. You see, that's the omnipresence of God. That's the common grace that God has for righteous and unrighteous pieces. God, people. God says he sends a rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's a common grace, a common thing where God wanted to bless us with this beautiful world for us to tend it and care it. Unfortunately, we don't even do that too well. But he gave it to us so that we could enjoy it. And when you go and you look at creation, if you're really true to yourself, if you go to big sky country where there are no lights, and you look in there, you truly feel and sense the presence and the awe of God in creation. Some of you guys that only hang out in Starbucks, try it one day. Get into nature. God will speak to you. You see, 
Then there's the manifest presence of God. This is a presence where God desires a personal relationship with you and I. In Colossians 1, 15 to 20, God speaks of both of these. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. And he speaks of both of these things, all found in Jesus Christ. See, he's the God of all creation, but he's also the God of personal relationship. In verse 15 in Colossians 1, he says he's talking of Jesus Christ. And he says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, in Jesus Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The omnipresence of God. He holds the universe together. All things. But he also is a God of the personal relationship, and he wants to hold you together too. And we go here, he switches now, and he says, He, Jesus, is also the head of of the body, which is the church, that's us. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. The reason Jesus died was to set us free from sin so that relationship broken by sin could be restored with our Heavenly Father. That's why He died. He died for relationship. Broken in the garden. See, the whole work of God, the Son, in redemption was to undo the tragic effects of our sin and to present us holy and blameless in the sight of God. So that a personal relationship destroyed by sin could be restored. Only, not only with God the Father, but also with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So that we could daily come into our Heavenly Father's presence through Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit and experience His unconditional love, forgiveness, and acceptance. And I want to say this. This might not make sense to some of you who are seeking. And I was a seeker for many years. Deborah got saved a few years before I did. And although I had all the arguments about why why I didn't believe in God, What I couldn't argue with in Deborah was a transformed life. She had peace. She had joy. She had things that I was looking for. And looking at her life and what Jesus Christ had done for her began to change my life. And that's what God wants us to be, representatives of them. God wants people to see us and say, what is it? 
How do you handle the pressure? How do you handle the trials and tribulations? How do you handle these things? With such peace and such joy and such tranquility. Unfortunately, if we're not people of the presence, it's impossible to do. Because we, like them then, are trying to handle it by ourselves and add God to the picture. Does that make sense? He says, God's love is not intellectual. God's love. Many have heard about the love of God, but have never experienced it, even in the church. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. It's not intellectual. And it is a gift from God. John 3, 16, and this gift, was ultimately portrayed to us in his son, Jesus Christ. For in John 3, 16, he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever, people will say Christianity is, not exclusive, is exclusive. No, whomsoever that believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life is not something in the distance. Eternal life starts the day we are born again. And although we're hanging on some of us with white knuckles till Jesus comes, he wants us to live victorious lives here in and through the fires. Isaiah 43, he says, Even though you walk through the fires, you will not get burnt. The floods will not overtake you because I am with you. Psalm 23, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need fear no evil, for I am with you. My manifest presence, that thing you feel in your heart. But if we're not spending time with God, how do we even know about it? You see, God's gift to us, love gift was His Son. And it's a gift that we receive. We don't earn it by grace through faith, by believing in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. You see, God's love is spiritual, as I said. And it comes to the Father through revelation and not information. I can stand here for the next 10 years and even stand on my head if I could. And tell you God loves you. But if you don't experience that love. If you don't tap into that love. It's information. And every time you fail. Which we do all the time. We say God doesn't love me. Well I deserve this. Yes sin has consequence. And let's not mix consequence with love. Consequence is a good thing because it helps us. It's like putting your hand on a hot stove, a kid. There's a consequence. You get burnt. Now, that's terrible. We don't want it. But imagine, you know, leprosy. People cannot feel the pain. And often they burn their whole limb off without even knowing that it's happening. So sometimes God allows us to go through the pain of our actions to teach us. But discipline is always redemptive. It's always redemptive. 
It's always for a purpose of reconciliation uh, of our relationship. And Jesus has paid the price for our sins. You see, we see this. God's love is through revelation. And um, Ephesians three fourteen to 21. And maybe I'll put these notes on our website. We, they're not comprehensive because they're preaching notes. But I would love you to go through these scriptures. I would love you to have these. So just remind me, Andy, to, to give them to you. It says here in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, but I'm going to just pick up in 17 to 18. It says, I pray that you be rooted and established in love, in the love of God. And you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people or all the saints to grasp how wide and deep and long is the love of Christ, to grasp through revelation. You see, when, we root, when our roots are deep, when the storms come, we're not blown over. When we know that we know that Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not death, not famine, none of this. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. And God wants our roots to go deep. God wants us to come into His presence daily, to make time, a tent of meeting where we come daily and we just get our love tanks filled. God, give me a fresh revelation because God does not want us to serve Him because we have to. He wants us to serve Him because we want to, because we're in love with Him, because we understand His love for us. Religion wants us to change from the outside in, and that kills us. That's why the churches are empty. We're trying to change people from the outside in, where God, God with, through relationship, wants to change us from the inside out. Stop trying to change yourself. Stop trying to save everybody. Now preach the gospel and do all of it, but stop trying to. How many of you could save yourself? Okay, so stop trying to save everybody else. Love them. Pray for them. Bring them. Let them drink. Let them taste and see for themselves that the Lord is good. But if they have to see it in us, if we are panicking as much of them and out of control and angry and living in sin and doing all the stuff that they do, why would they waste a Sunday morning coming to listen to a guy scream at them? Why? What's the point? They need to see, man, there's something different. There's something attractive about the presence of God in your life. You see, His love is received and never achieved. And it's poured into our hearts by His Spirit. It is spiritual. Romans 5, 1 to 8. And because God is a Spirit, only a Spirit, person born of the Spirit can actually experience his spiritual love. Because God is Spirit. Jesus talking to the woman of the well at the well in John 4, man, beautiful, beautiful story of redemption and love. 
He says to her in 23, John 4, 23 to 24, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, true worshipers, God speaks of worshipers that will honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. True worshipers uh, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and they are the kind of the worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in John chapter 3, the chapter before, Jesus has this conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Now I want to tell you, if you are searching and on a, on a journey, word God says this, if you seek me, you will find me. But I also want to tell you that there are people here and myself that would love to sit down with you and work through this process of some of the stuff that does not make sense because it's spiritually discerned. And hopefully we can help you along your journey. But he has this conversation with Nicodemus. And he says this, go and read the whole story, but he says this, Jesus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus, this leader, um, says to him, and I would maybe have asked the same question, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb. And Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of water, natural birth. We're all born of water. But what happens for a baby to be born? We've got some young parents in the back there, some in the mother's room. The water breaks. But we also need to be born of the Spirit. Born again. Because flesh gives birth to flesh. Natural birth gives birth to natural birth. But spiritual birth gives birth to the Spirit. The Spirit becomes alive in Christ. And so, there's a few questions. For me... And for us, how well do I truly know my Father? Because if I truly know Him and you truly know Him well, when you make a mistake, you will run to Him. But if you don't know Him and you think He's going to be angry with you, when you make a mistake, you will run away from Him. As simple as that. Father wants us to run to Him daily. We come to the throne of grace, Ephesians 4. We come to the throne of grace. So we come to God's throne, which is the throne of grace, because we come through Jesus Christ, and we get to the throne, and Hebrews 4 tells us we receive mercy. When we come, we don't get what we deserve. That's what mercy is. So if we came into the throne of grace, into the throne room, outside of Jesus, outside of Him saving us, that was a terrible thing, to come into His presence with, with sin. In the Old Testament, priests would die 
because of that. But we come, and when we come to the throne, to the presence of God, we, we receive mercy. And mercy is we get what we don't deserve. And when we finish, the word of God says, then we find grace to help us in our day, time of need. And we should be doing that daily, church. That should not just be on a Sunday. And so do we truly know him? Are you born of the Spirit? Have you been born again? If you have not, maybe you just don't understand it. And we will love to sit behind. We have Mark and others. We would sit for hours with you. If you understand, I, I know that's something that I want. I want my spirit to be born again. But what does it mean? You see, going to church or growing up in church does not make you a Christian. Like me living in a garage would not make me a car. We come together to receive mercy from God, to be born again, to learn about God. And many Christians, traditional people, that have not actually gone through the process of confessing their sins to God and asking Jesus Christ into their lives. It's as easy as that. But we need to acknowledge our need for a Savior. Otherwise, we just add Christianity to our life instead of our life being our walk with God. It's an add-on. And so I want to encourage you to chat, and we will be speaking of that. We will do a sermon series on what it means to be born again. We will put it online, and we will be able to go through that, and we'll sit down with Mark, and maybe we'll just do it on video, and we'll put it out to you, because it is the birth of your Christian walk, of your spiritual walk. And Russ asked the, uh, uses the scripture from Jeremiah 29. And I want to tell you this is true for every born of plan, uh, again, child of God. And he says this, God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And he says, then you will call on me. What does that mean? We will come into his presence and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Church, I want to leave that with you today, and just read one quote from a dear friend of mine. We can stay as we are for the rest of our lives. And we can live in a sense often mediocre, lukewarm lives. Or we can press into God. We can come to Him and hear the plans He has for us. He will answer us. He will lead us and guide us. He will forgive us. We can go deeper with Him. And God is calling to us, church, not for a traditional 
relationship that I go to church on a Sunday, but a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to spend more time, even maybe in the evenings tonight, of just soaking in the presence. Maybe we'll cut the sermons shorter and just allow the Spirit of God to minister to us so that that rain can begin to flow in and through us and hopefully spark something for the rest of the week in us. And Dudley Daniel, I love to call him a friend and a mentor, has influenced my life and is still serving God since the day I was saved. I've only been in three churches and I've only been under one man and uh, one man's headship and, and as far as an apostle and then his son, Tyrone. In 33 years of serving God. But this is what he said, wrote. It is possible, what is possibly most needed is the presence of God in the midst of his people. Without the presence of God, we have no power, no authority, no transformation, no glory to display to the nations. Without the spirit that gives life, we only have the letter of the law to preach. Without the Spirit that gives life, church, we only have the letter of the law to preach. Without the Spirit, there is death. But when He comes, there is life. And with the life, there is the potential for growth, growth and fruitfulness. Genuine ministry takes place where there is an operation of the Holy Spirit. Whereby He transforms us into the image of Christ through the Word of God. And if this transformation does not happen, no ministry has taken place. We can have the best worship. We can have good preaching. We can have the best Sunday school. We can focus on that, and excellence is good. But without the presence and the anointing of God, without God moving in our midst, we have nothing. We've just put on a show. And what God wants us to do, God talks about many streams flowing as one river. Many streams. Now there's a river in you. There's a stream, a river of living water inside of you. And there's a river in me. And there's a river in everybody and when we come on a Sunday, when we spend time in God's presence, when we've been in His place daily, church, daily, make a time, make a temple meeting, make a time. It might be under a tree. It might be in a coffee shop. It doesn't matter. It might be in your study. It might be early. It might be safe. But let's do it. A tent of meeting for you and for me. And we come. And God, the Holy Spirit begins to rain down on us. And the Spirit of God begins to fill us. And that trickle becomes a stream. And when we come on a Sunday, instead of us coming dry and empty, and sometimes I'm not even leading, I do that. Instead of coming dry and empty, we come in full and we minister out of the overflow. And your stream combines with my stream and all of these streams begin to flow, and the presence and the anointing of God comes down like never before. 
God wants to inhabit uh, the praises of his people. God wants us to come full of his presence, full of his anointing, so that we can be saturated and we can go into this world and we can just tell people, come and drink from the river. Come and drink from my stream. Come and drink. Come and taste and see that the Lord of God. Christianity is not a club. It's not a tradition. It's a personal relationship with the living God. And he wants you to draw near to him. And he says, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And we draw nearer, he draws nearer. And we draw nearer, he draws nearer. And then we'll see a transformation. Not, I, God, I'm so useless. I, I sin, I do all of these things. I can't do it. But this week I'm going to try my hardest. No, God, I can't, but you can. God, remind me. David, after sitting with Bathsheba and, and committing adultery, writes this amazing psalm, Psalm 91. And one of the keys to the passage, that psalm is, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Remember the day, close your eyes even now, remember those days when God captivated your heart. Remember those days when you wanted to spend time with Him, when we were in His presence. God, restore that today in our hearts. Restore that today in our lives, Lord God. I pray, I pray, I pray that for us, Lord, that we will be known as being people of the presence, carriers of the presence. We could have the worship team come forward. We've got a little bit of time. I really don't know how well or, and I'm not, this is not a place of insecurity. I really don't know how well I've represented what I feel God is saying, this yearning and this longing as the deer pants for the water. That's a deer in the desert, in the driest of driest, one of the driest of driest, the Sinai Desert. So my soul panteth after thee. Lord, restore those days. When we get into our tent of meeting, it could be a closet, it could be a, a, a study, it could be anywhere, Lord God, where your presence comes down in such a tangible way that, we, that, that time stands still, Lord. Create a hunger and thirst for us afresh, Lord, for righteousness, so that we can be filled.